0: How's everyone doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm going to pray just because that's going to get my brain settled and my heart settled. So let's go to the Lord again. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace. And Father, we thank you for what we are remembering tonight, Lord, um, as we think of you Getting up from your seat and stooping down and cleaning the feet of your disciples, Lord God, as we remember what that means, what that represents, what that points to, Father, I pray that you would stir in our hearts tonight, Lord, that you would help us to remember you, Lord God, um, remember what you've accomplished, remember how you clothed yourself in flesh, Lord God, that we might have life um, Father be with us as we look into your word it 's in Jesus name we pray amen, amen. all right so i 'm not going to take too much of your time tonight, but um, as we were singing, I was thinking specifically about expectations. Um, when I was a kid, we um, I played hockey as a kid and in our team this one year we made the playoffs I was really excited. Um, but I guess my parents didn't think our team was going to make the playoffs because they scheduled um, a trip to go to Florida when the playoffs were happening. Um, and, and, you know, I wasn't like a great hockey player, so I understand why they would have scheduled that vacation, because why would we make the playoffs? But we did make the playoffs. And, um, but the problem was we were going to Florida. And so we were all set to go to Florida. I was bummed about it. But then the car broke down and we couldn't get to Florida. So... Not only did I not play in my playoffs, I also didn't get to go to Disney that year. So like expectations, man, like when they are set high and it doesn't work out, it's crushing, right? A few days prior to this event that we're going to look at was Palm Sunday. And Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey and they're waving palms at him. And what they were doing is they were waving palms at him. They were saying, they were saying, our king's here. Our king is here, salvation has come. Hosanna, Hosanna, our king is here. And, and then all of a sudden, they're in the upper room with Jesus, him and his disciples. And something happens We're in John chapter 13, It says now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, And that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he began to pour water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And and the the detail here is so fascinating because what is happening, right? It's just step by step. What was happening? He, he gets up. He lays aside his clothing. He wraps a towel around him. He kneels down. He starts washing the feet of his disciples. And then something happens. He gets to Peter. And Peter's the best, right? Because this is what happens. It says, he came to Simon Peter in verse 6, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but after you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Peter had an expectation of Jesus. Peter had an expectation of what it meant to be the messianic king to save them. Hosanna, Hosanna, glory be to God in the highest. And he was like, no, 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 kings don't wash feet. Kings don't wash feet. His expectations were just completely shot. Completely shot. Because in his brain, he knew what a king was. He understood what it meant to be a ruler. He understood what it meant to to be high and lifted up. And, And washing someone's feet was not his role. That's not what a king does. And Peter wanted no part in this blasphemy. He wanted no part in it. And that is what is so incredible about Jesus, the Messiah. Because when Jesus enters into the world and he lays aside his divinity, Just like he laid aside his garment here. He's doing the most unexpected of things. He's doing some of the most ironic things, some of the most confusing things. He's he's operating from wisdom that doesn't come from down here, but that comes from above. Because what, what we would expect of a king is not how he operated. He lays aside his clothing. He ties a towel around his waist. He stoops down and he begins cleaning the feet of his disciples. Just before he starts cleaning, it says this. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During the supper, when the devil had already put it into, Simon, um, into Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing, verse 3, pay attention here, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. See, Jesus knows exactly who he is. He is the king. He knows he has all authority. Everything's been given into his hands. And what does he do with that authority? What does he do? He stoops down and he cleans the feet of his disciples. All authority is given into his hands. Every single bit of authority. He owns the whole cosmos. The Father gave it to him, and the Bible says he knows it. He knows it. And he washes his disciples' feet with that authority. He washes his disciples' feet. Taking on the form of a slave. He washes his disciples' feet. Man, that's got to sit with us for a minute. Because I think often we read these passages and we just kind of think like, oh, the foot washing, that's so cool. Jesus is so humble. Man, this is more than just like he's a humble guy. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who spoke creation into existence, who was there at the beginning. And John makes sure we're aware of that because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And that word was Jesus Christ. We know that John himself tells us that at the beginning of his gospel. And at the end of his gospel, toward the end of his gospel, he's cleaning feet. He's doing the very thing that a slave was supposed to do. That's our Savior. That's our God. That's who we worship. And it is confusing to say the least and it's anathema to the world. It is just downright blasphemous to the world. And what he's doing here as he kneels down, he's saying the way you think the world should function is not how it should function. In fact, what he's doing as he stoops down and he's washing his disciples' feet, he's taking the entire system that exists in this world and he's flipping it on its head and he's saying, no, no, you're wrong. That's not how the world works. The world works with wisdom that comes from above. And and what that means is that death produces life, not the other way around. In fact, what it means is that we take on the filth and the mess and the muck of the world so that others might go free. That's what he is flipping on its head. Because anyone, no one would go to a leadership conference and say if you're the boss, you should serve people. Like, like that's starting to become popular, but that's not traditionally how we've been taught that authority should function. People with power and privilege and money and, and and anything that they want don't do what Jesus did. Right? Just a couple weeks in the news we heard we heard of 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 the, of the what was going on with the, the college tuition, right? People were getting into schools for free, right? Because because they had money, right? And, 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 and sweet whatever her name was from Full House, right? Like, man, that stinks, right? Because we all love Full House as kids. I mean, maybe you didn't, I don't know. I was a Full House fan, and, and I was so devastated when Aunt Becky, Becky? When Aunt Becky was like cheating her way into getting her kids into college. But like, that's, it wasn't a shock when we heard people with power and money were using it to get their way. That wasn't a shock for us. In fact, most things that we see in the news when we see people with power and money and privilege and all the things that, and when they use that for their own, their own personal gain, that's not shocking to us. We see it all the time. It's like, oh, that's, that's Tuesday. But Jesus, knowing exactly who he is, what he has, uses that authority to serve his disciples, to paint a picture for them what it is that this whole kingdom of God thing is about. Let's keep reading on. Verse 9, Simon Peter, after hearing that he has no share with him unless his feet are washed, he says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master Jesus kneels down and washes the feet of his disciples so that they might see that this is precisely how they ought to live their lives. And the question we need to start asking ourselves is, what does foot washing look like for me? What does foot washing look like for this family of churches, Redeemer Fellowship? What does it look like to wash one another's feet? to care for one another in such a way that people are confused, if not sickened by what we're doing. Offended by what we're doing. Because we love each other that much. Because we care for each other that much. That we're willing to wash one another's feet in whatever whatever that looks like. And, I, and my challenge is that we would start to consider that Within community groups, in friendships, in families, what does it mean to wash one another's feet? Because it doesn't actually mean that we should just wash one another's feet. And that is a beautiful symbolic thing that that churches do that from what I understand this church did on their first Maundy Thursday. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a symbol that, that points to something that's bigger. Where to live our lives in such a way that the world is looking at us and saying, what is going on there? What's happening there? What are, they, like, what are they about, those people? Why do they love each other? Why do they care so much? Why are they giving up their, their finances, their, their resources? Why are they pouring into one another in such a strange way? Like, No one's going to get ahead like that. It's confusing. It's blasphemous to the standards of the world. What does it look like to wash one another's feet? I've got a few more minutes, about five, so I'm gonna, we're going to go fast. Um, he says this, um, verse 21, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at table close to Jesus. So Simon Peter motioned to him to, to ask Jesus, I can just picture the scene, right? Like Peter's across the table and he's like, he's like, yo, John, who's the guy? Like, who is, it? come on, come on, figure it out, right? Like, we do this sort of thing, right? Like, we want to know, we want the inside scoop. That's why people watch reality TV, right? Because they want the inside scoop. They want to know what's going on. And Peter's just like us. And I love that detail because it's so human. Like, from across the table, he's like, John, psst. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered him. It's like hard to read this passage. Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. And then Judas gets up and he leaves. Judas gets up and he leaves. All the disciples are wondering, where where is he going? Maybe he's going to feed the poor. right? Jesus commands his own betrayal. There's an imperative there. When he says go and do what you're going to do, do it quickly, that do it quickly is a command. He's literally saying, Judas, go ahead and betray me. Go. It's time for you to go do that thing. I know it. I know what you're doing. Go. He's like demanding it of him. Because not only is Jesus the one who takes on the form of a servant, but he is the Lord of all creation, sovereign over everything, even his own death. See, see Jesus lays down his life willingly. In fact, the language here points us back to John chapter 10, where it says, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also. So there will be one flock for this reason. The father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. And that's precisely what he's doing in the upper room when he sends Judas out. He's laying his life down. Judas betrays Jesus, but Jesus is in the driver's seat the entire time. He's a servant, he's a slave, and he's the Lord of the universe. And that's confusing, and that is foolishness to those who are perishing. But that's what's going on on Monday, Thursday. That's what's happening some 2000 years ago as he's sitting in the upper room with his disciples. He is in the driver's seat and he is on his knees serving his people. And he says, go and do likewise. As image bearers, we have authority over this world. We do. But God forbid we use that authority for any other purpose than to serve one another and proclaim Christ crucified. God forbid. And as we go to the table tonight, as we partake of Jesus' blood and his body, we need to remember what he did. That the king of the universe, Jesus, Jesus, The Son of God laid down His life willingly so that we might go free, so that we might be free to go forth and do likewise, that we would cleanse one another's feet, that we would love one another so much so that it says at the end of this entire passage, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we love like Jesus, if we sacrifice and serve like Jesus, then the world's going to know who we are. And they're going to ask us about that. And then we enjoy get to tell them about jesus christ our messiah who died and rose again and rules over creation let's pray father in heaven we thank you for your grace we thank you for the truth of the gospel the truth of the the glory of your suffering of your passion of your agony of your troubled spirit that you were betrayed by whom who was closest to you father We thank you for all of that, Lord. And we ask now that as we go to the table, Father, that we would remember these things and that we would meet with you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.